0: To
1: the show. <laughs> it, feels like, it feels like role reversal, but not for you, but for me, but then also for you. Yeah, you're in the hot seat. How does it yeah, feel Really weird.
0: um Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Should I Delete That podcast. We have a special yes. episode today because what day is it, please? Drum roll. That'll be a terrible sound. Oh, Everyone's yeah, <laughs> yeah, <was> like, ah! <laughs> ow, I it. Um, but today, <laughs> your book comes out! It's,
1: it's launch day, finally. It's
0: Thursday, Love a Thursday. I can't You're believe books it. Out. I know, You're I published know. author. By yeah, the time so people will be listening to this, you'll be minus one in the charts. You'll be so high, you'll be setting records. <laughs> <to> but <be>. <laughs> wow, she's amazing. <laughs> um, and we're doing a special episode, not yeah. only the Thursday episode, it's the is it just me episode? But today we're gonna, we've just got a book, we've got a day celebrating you, and I get to I know, interview you. I
1: know, but I promise it will be interesting. It's not just like all blah blah. You can't promise fine. them that. I can't promise that. So don't Actually, start that's, with a lie. It might interesting. be
0: interesting, you might find this let I'm going try in my in. best
1: to be interesting. Um, but no,
0: I'm really excited about this because we talked about it last week, about how this book, obviously it's everything you live and breathe, right? Like it's about diet culture, it's about recovery from diet culture, from disordered eating, from eating disorders, from like all of the shit that so many women have carried for so long and it's about like freeing yourself from the like shackles of diet culture which is something that yeah. maybe we take for granted because we're in this space it, it, totally yeah. but it's so powerful and so exciting and it's here yeah and I, just wanted to, I wanted to ask you some questions today to people who maybe don't uh-huh, understand yeah. like why you know what do you think? okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with this in your language in okay. your like, in your head what do you think diet culture means because it feels like a bit of like a like a buzzword that it the, is. the boomers
1: don't understand so it is it's a buzzword so basically diet culture I guess the the best way I, I can think to sum it up is like a set of beliefs that thinness is the best thing that a human can achieve and that thinness equates to happiness and success and desirability and lovability and that We all need to be thin, essentially, and we all live in a diet culture, particularly in the West, it's very strong, and we're very entrenched in diet culture here, and it's been around for actually like a really, really long time, and the only, really the only reason it's around, or the reason it thrives today is because it makes so many people so much money. Yeah, it's a. I think I butcher the statistic, but I believe it's a hundred and ninety-two billion dollar industry mm-hmm. worldwide, which is an insane amount of money. Like I can't, I can't really grasp how much money that is, but it's a lot. <laughs> so like, there's a good reason that diet culture exists and it thrives and it's so prevalent because it's, it's, it's a money making. It's a huge money maker. So in terms of how people are making money from diet
0: culture, like the brands and the products, like can you give us an example of like. The things that exist that are marketed or sold as being products that
1: we're told that we need, right? That that diet culture creates. Yeah, I mean, and it's a a vast array of different products. You have everything from, like, anti-cellulite creams. um, Do they work? No. (laughs) No. I was actually writing writing this morning a feature about cellulite. And, you know, 90%, I think it's 80 to 90% of women have it, Mm but only only less than ten percent of men, which is convenient. So of course it's a woman problem. And it was it was cellulite it was a, a, a word that didn't even exist to define it until the late sixties. Mm. And it was just it was basically coined cellulite and then became something like another way for women to hate hate themselves and another way for brands to make money mm. because oh gosh, you shouldn't have cellulite, like here's a here's something that you can fix uh, used to fix it so like cellulite creams weight loss products weight loss tablets uh, waist trainers anything that's going to change your appearance or fix your appearance and even stuff that doesn't isn't it doesn't explicitly say this is for weight loss like diet culture is very clever and sneaky and they you know have a, a huge like incredible marketing power behind it Mm. who keeps up with the current climate and you know realizes oh you know we can't we can't be as overt with our messaging nowadays so we're gonna like package it up as balance or wellness or well-being a lifestyle change yeah right exactly and then like yeah a, a lifestyle change or like a gym you know uh Get in shape. Mm, you in know. What shape? What tri- <laughs> tri- triangle? <laughs> no, a no uh,
0: hexagon. <clears throat> but there's also within that, there's other products as well, right? That like already exist that are then being used. And I mean, products when I say like an apple or like there's ridiculous things about existing things like, oh, drinking more water so that you can not be hungry. So there's stuff yeah. like, who like, is doing the marketing for apples that like, so, oh, you have to eat an apple every day and that yeah. will help. And it's like, I mean, that must come from dieticians i suppose like or pts i guess the amount of pts that particularly on instagram offer like unsolicited or not unsolicited but, but uh, nutritional stuff that they don't necessarily have the training for right and that's because everybody wants an answer right that's
1: the thing right. with diet culture exactly and with anything like that if you drill down you'll find that people are making money from it somehow so like the pts they're doing it they're offering this you know this advice like nutritional advice but at the end of the day they want to sell their plan or they want to get more yeah. clients and it, often in magazines we'd get the like it, it was it, it's you that you used to eat an apple every morning right yes i did no yeah. not every morning before every meal before, before, every, an hour, meal. before every meal okay yeah. and i did half a grapefruit
0: I fucking love a grapefruit and they are sp- not spicy nice, sour That's a lot to do every
1: time. It's like oh god, it was Um, like it would go in my eyes all the time. (laughs) I was like constantly bloodshot, but um, but yeah, and and unsurprisingly didn't lose weight, not thin, so. Um, Can I
0: ask, like, from a, again, right, I'm going to ask this, as it, I, I hate people that say I'm going to be a devil's advocate because the devil doesn't need an advocate because he's a okay. devil. But I'm going to ask this like a boomer. I'm going to be a boomer advocate, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are people, there are like the Piers Morgans of the world with the school of thought that's like, okay, well, there's an obesity crisis in the UK, for example, and pot- potentially maybe that is more dangerous than diet culture. Now, that's a, something for people to debate and whatever. Sorry, I, I'm not asking you to answer that because it's an impossible question, but mm. I I think people need to understand the dangers that come with diet culture because people think that we're that it's a celebration of obesity, right? That's what people. That's what the the boomers basically say sometimes you know when whenever we see like plus-size women on a magazine cover or whatever they're like oh well you're just promoting obesity and blah 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 but i think like in order to understand why that's not the case people need to understand why diet culture is so dangerous so could you please explain like the life-threatening dangers of
1: diet culture so yeah we have that Piers morgan narrative like obesity is bad obesity is dangerous Obesity, like obesity, and I'm saying this in air quotes because the science behind obesity being unhealthy is not what we think it is, right? Mm -hmm. We think, according to our medical knowledge and our medical system, which adopts a very uh, weight normative approach, we think that anyone that is in the overweight category, which is over 30 on the BMI scale, is then unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. And, and then if you go obviously higher and higher and higher the more unhealthy it gets and actually like yes the and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor and yes some fat is linked to bad things like that you know to health problems like we can't get away from that but you can't just look at a person who's fat and say that they're unhealthy because you just don't know that mm-hmm. you have no idea and only their only their doctor knows that like and then you have absolutely no idea so we can't just go around deeming people unhealthy when there are when we don't give that same energy to thin people like if we just see thin people why do we assume that they're healthy we have an absolutely no idea and mm-hmm. health encompasses so much more than what you weigh so there's that and then this this whole you know promoting obesity thing like what is the alternative for those people do they want fat women to be Shut away and kept in them on the margins of society and not be represented and not be shown and not be seen. Is that what they want? Yes, I'm I'm guessing so because if they're uh, complaining about them being like celebrated and shown, I'm guessing that's what they want. And what does that cultivate? Shame and shame is you know. And I'm using this. I'm, I'm applying this to their logic. I'm not saying that fat women need to lose weight, but by their logic. They want this obesity crisis gone and people to be thin. But shame, is science has proven again and again, is not an effective motivator. Mm. It doesn't help in any way. Fat women being ashamed and feeling like they have to lose weight to fit in and feeling shamed into losing weight is not going to make them lose weight because we know shame is not an effective motivator. Mm -hmm. So they're just left on the margins of society feeling ashamed, alone, and it's 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 not productive for anything or anyone. It's just, it's cruel. Mm-hmm. And those women, finally, that have never been able to see themselves represented or seen anywhere, in the media anywhere, like, they finally can see themselves and, like... Th- I'm, I'm actually referring that, I'm thinking in my head about the Tess Holiday cover, which is what was so controversial. Mm-hmm. And that cover meant so much to so, so, so many women because... Yeah, they just they've never seen themselves be celebrated. And it doesn't mean that everyone out everyone in the world is looking at covers like that and thinking, oh, this means I have to be fat like her. I'm gonna get fat like her. Like, don't be stupid, like our society is so incredibly fat phobic. Mm. We're not gonna see a few fat women be celebrated and and the whole society then wants to be fat. That's not how it works because it's so ingrained in the fabric of our society that fat is bad and that fat is the worst thing that you can be in that you have to be thin so it is, it is just like plain ridiculous to me that people say that it's promoting obesity like no it's just allowing people who have been previously marginalized to be seen and celebrated and are just allowed to exist mm, right and i think like a really big part this is like not an interviewer thing
0: what i'm just gonna say on the on the men that that, that make these comments I think it's so often like first of all so, because slimmer women have been considered to be more attractive right by society mm. that's why these men are like well just be this be this but I think a massive part of the men that say this and it's it's making women smaller because it's convenient The women are smaller and I think like that's a really big part of yeah. the, the diet culture stuff and it's like just seeing women like celebrate themselves everyone's like fuck, I'm losing all this money. Like, these women aren't going to need my approval. They're just going to go out and exist and be happy on their own. And like, oh God. Like, And it it sends these people
1: into a real spin. Totally. And I think diet culture is is underpinned by the patriarchy Mm. because it keeps women busy and obedient and and so busy. Like, think about when you were on a diet. And I'm thinking about when I was on a diet, I had absolutely no mental capacity, mental or physical capacity for anything but focusing on like... Not eating, Yeah. or <laughs> like eating a certain way, so it's a it's a good it's a good trick for the patriarchy. It work it works for the patriarchy,
0: and like on your dieting and like your experience with it, like I think you, we said this in an episode a couple of weeks ago that the women that that put themselves at the forefront of the fight against diet culture are often the ones that have been hurt by it the most. Yeah, and your experience with, is like certainly the case. Like mm-hmm. and and you've documented your recovery from anorexia and your like freedom from diet culture so spectacularly on Instagram and it's been so valuable but I think like you know anybody who's new to your page now might not know where you've come from so yeah. if you could like what's the biggest driver for this book in
1: terms of your own personal experience of diet culture yeah and, and do you know what and it's and it's nice that this is more informal because like whenever I'm asked this I find it so hard to condense it into like a little answer because it just feels like something that's been going on in my life since I can ever remember well I was I, I say I was a chubby kid just for lack of a better word I don't know how, how else to say it like I was I wasn't fat but I definitely wasn't thin and I was chubby and I developed before everyone else like I had boobs and everyone was fascinated about it and I just wanted to like it I wanted the ground to like swallow me up. I hated it. And I was aware that my body felt bigger, and I became increasingly aware that bigger was bad. And so, the, from I think from the moment that I realized that food manipulates how your body looks, that you can use food to manipulate how your body looks, and you can make it thinner via food, I, from the moment I realized that I was just on a diet then for like years and years and years and years and I tried every single diet under the sun like you name it I have tried it like some some worse than others Atkins is one that was horrendous I was like gray my face was actually gray um my mum said I look like my face looked like off bread and that it really (laughs) did (laughs) it was just like gray and it was really really awful um and then when and then in my early 20s and I started a job At magazine, and I guess it was um, I was thrown into a more like glamorous world in fashion. I was doing fashion, and obviously, like fashion is so. I mean, fashion is almost like synonymous with thin, and so those that beliefs just like it just those beliefs became even more ingrained, and eventually, I just I it it was a juice diet. I think that really tipped me over from disordered eating into eating disorder. And then I just basically stopped eating from then. But like, and you know, and then, but like recovery was really long. And I want to stress that because I I feel like people think, oh, then you get, you know, like young, thin, you know, very thin white woman, like gets eating disorder, gets help, like recovers. But my story wasn't like that. And I really want to stress that because I don't think there's enough of those like quasi recovery stories. We don't hear enough about those i'd only ever heard of like success stories like instant success stories and Mm. mine wasn't like that at all it it, my anorexia then morphed into bulimia for years and then into binge eating disorder and it was really only a few years ago that i actually managed to you know recover
0: i suppose people think that it's like with most things like you get a diagnosis you get the treatment like an antibiotic and then you're better yeah but i guess a big part of The fact that it's a mental health condition is that you also need to want to get better. And 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 there's so much to it that people I think maybe maybe because we're associated talking about mental health in the UK that we just won't even Mm. entertain the conversation. But can I ask like how your diagnosis came to be, how it was approached by you or by your family or by your healthcare professionals? Because so many people exist with disordered eating with eating disorders and they just
1: like you know everybody's journey is so different so different and you know what it feels like a blur now back then when I first got the diagnosis and it was my mom she was like something is really not right with you I remember her saying like the lights are off with you completely like there's just no one home and there wasn't I was just I was in, like, people call it a prison, an eating disorder, and that is exactly what it feels like, it's like a mental prison, and you're just so trapped and consumed by food and weight and body, and I was on and off the scales, like, five times a day, and I just, I existed on, like, boiled sweets, like, sucking boiled sweets, like, that would help alleviate my hunger pains, and then, yeah, my mum was like, we need to take you to the doctors, The and... I was really lucky because I had private medical through my work and this is also why I like telling the story a bit like oh because it's so hard for anyone listening who does need to access help and they don't have private medical they can't afford private medical because it's you know the NHS like it's just it's it's dire the situation and your BMI has to be life-threateningly low for you to access help and then even if you do it's only like 12 sessions of CBT. And it, it, in my experience, at least, like that is not sufficient. Mm. Um, so I was very lucky. I was really lucky to access therapy and sustained therapy, which is what I needed because it was just really. Yeah, I mean, it is with everybody though. It's deep seated with any, anybody, but it took me a really long time to come to come out of it.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder for you, was it like? A shameful thing within your friendship groups or within your family, or something that you were able to talk about because obviously you speak about it so publicly now. But was it always easy for you to do that?
1: <laughs> and you know what? When I when I actually and I don't really know what possessed me to do this, but when I spoke about it on Instagram, I'd still never spoken to my friends about it or my sisters about it. Like my mum and a little bit my dad, and that was literally it. It was it was so it was such. It was such a secret. But I didn't just keep that secret because I felt ashamed. That was part of it. I felt very ashamed. But also, an eating disorder is weird. But it feels like, it almost feels like your private best friend Mm. that is only you know about and, and it's personal and intimate. And it's a false sense of security and comfort, a totally false sense. And telling that secret is. It feels so scary because you're like I'm gonna lose this best friend that's been with me for so long mm. and who's there in my darkest days. Even though you know, they that, are your they are your darkest days. days, yeah. So I was just yeah I just didn't want to tell and I and I don't even know how it happened or why I decided to do it, but it's true like that. I, and I can't remember who I think is it uh, Brene Brown uh, talks about like how telling a secret. Releases like just release it releases so much power and takes mm. away the power of the secret and it's like so 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 true
0: because the the thing with anorexia that is terrifying is it has the highest mortality rate of any mental health condition yeah and is there anything that you would say to somebody?
1: who doesn't understand the, de- the the real danger of anorexia. I mean, like you said, it's the uh, psychiatric disorder with the highest mortality rate, and yet it's still commonly seen as a vanity illness. Mm. People think, oh, you just want to be thin because you're vain and you want to look good. And I think that is a reason that there's so much stigma and shame around it as well. And and that's definitely what, what I felt. I thought, like... God, I'm so vain, like, I'm I so vain that I want to be thin, and I'm spending, I am, I am dedicating my entire life to trying to be thin, like, how vain am I? And it's actually a really, really se- serious illness, but I think people really distance, like, disordered eating and dieting from eating disorders, and I, I don't think that's a good thing to do, because I think the line is thinner than we realise, yeah, so the line is thinner than people think, and actually uh, NEDA, which is the National Eating Disorder Association, they did some research um, which showed that people who engage in moderate dieting are five times more likely to develop an eating disorder, and people who engage in uh, extreme dieting are 18 times more likely to develop an eating disorder. So the path is very clear, and... You know, eating disorders are very complex. I'm not saying, like, oh, if you diet, you're going to get an eating disorder. You know, people have to be, I think, I'm not a scientist, but I think people have to be susceptible as well. And there are certain, like, personality traits that uh, make people more susceptible to, to developing an eating disorder, like perfectionism, there's, like, all or nothing tendencies. But the path from disordered eating and dieting to, uh, and, and that's what dieting is, is disordered eating, of course. That path from disordered eating to eating disorders is very clear. And I don't think that enough is acknowledged I don't think that's acknowledged enough
0: I think in the same way that Britain's binge drinking culture enables alcoholics to exist quite easily within society it's it kind of feels like the same with dieting the fact that everybody's on a diet everybody's going to be good on Monday everybody's avoiding the bad snacks it does mean that people with a functioning eating disorder can exist Kind of normally. Totally. And like you mentioned before that you were working in fashion. Like I don't think we can underestimate how normalised size zero is. Like haute couture. Close your eyes and think of couture. Because it's size zero. Right. Like that's it. And like this is it. Like I I think you know like you say, a lot of people with eating disorders are susceptible to them for so many things. And often it can be other things that you're craving control of. And it's like so many complexities. And it's not all about food but... This, this is a, a culture that is creating such an extraordinary focus on thinness that it's yeah surely inevitable. And I wonder, like, yeah. the, the fashion and beauty, like, do you think that was a, a big? I mean, was it was it common? Like, because the food talk yeah. must have just been crazy working for a magazine like that.
1: Crazy and um, dieting isn't just like dieting is glamorized it really is and so and thinness is as well I mean nothing tastes as good as skinny feels yeah. like that was, was, was my mantra. Emily
0: Blunt's line in Devil Wears Prada and it's just like I'm one cube of cheese away from my goal weight I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> I know and it and and was like, like, I can't. <laughs> I was like oh my god
1: I know it was really really glamorized and like that you know it was and still is unfortunately like maybe less to a lesser extent now but and especially yeah i mean it was it, it, you you had to be thin to be successful in fashion like you just had to be thin mm. um and i think a lot of that i really I, I i think i those those messages and beliefs were already internalized but it was compounded by the fashion industry and how it was it was just like It felt like everything was screaming at me, like thin, thin. You have to be thin. You're not thin enough. Mm. I would go to like parties, like you know, I was just out of uni and like going to all these fancy parties and obviously loving it. Like I was like, oh my god, like living in London, like this is so cool, and realizing that like, gosh, these people are so thin. I need to be thinner. I'm obviously not thin enough. There's something wrong with me, and Mm. I was was just getting thinner and thinner and thinner. But the atmosphere in the environment in around me was such that people didn't know that i had a problem until mm. it was really really bad mm. but they didn't know i had a problem because it was just so normalized you know mm. like um oh, skipping lunch today trying to be good or just having like a bit of broth for my lunch i'm or i'm just juicing you know we'd all juice in the office like it was just it was just normal mm. so people didn't realize until it got really bad because yeah
0: and to, so we, we kind of recognize the like the dangers at both end of the scale right we recognize the dangers with ab- obesity like you say you know there are medical um some there, there can be medical ramifications that come from somebody being overweight yeah in the same way that there can be those that come from people being underweight right like, so it's a yeah. huge spectrum but i think something that that's fascinating is the middle bit because mm. I, I want to understand i i would like you to help people to understand what it is when you take away the mortality the mortality element and the, and the severe you know diagnosable mental health sides yeah. of this and you just look at it as the elusive diet culture can we understand the dangers mm. of that because when you take away you know people are very quick to to use like well people are dying or people are you know and and hospitalization rates and if you take away all of that and we just look at the the normal people caught up in the middle of this yeah
1: can we understand the dangers of that yes yes i did a section in the book and this isn't just me plugging but like this is the point of the episode so plug this is the only time okay yeah yeah (laughs) and it's are you a chronic dieter and it's like a, a week in the life of a dieter and it's like on sunday night Diet starts Monday. Diet starts tomorrow. We're gonna throw everything away. I used to do that. I used to drive back to London after my mum's come and come back from my mum's
0: house, and I don't know why I went there every weekend. It was weird, but every and I would just document in my head. I'm not gonna eat. I'm not gonna. Understand. Yeah. they quite. Not. I mean, like a few years ago. And you like, eat loads on Sunday. Yeah. 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 Like, I like, literally like dirty roast potatoes because i might like this see me through. Yeah. Because
1: you know, which which obviously makes no sense. Exactly. No, it's no, it's like counterproductive you to like your the actual goal. In the morning and then right. like after, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> And then you start a diet on Monday, and then and then it carries on on Tuesday and Wednesday, and your enthusiasm naturally wanes because it's not willpower. Like our, our bodies are very clever, uh, which is a good thing, and they want to they want to keep us going. And so, when they're being starved, they're like, ah, what are you doing? Like I need food. Um, so it's a perfectly normal biological response. And then we end up uh, eating then you know eating a lot on the on the weekend and then and then the cycle continues all over again and it's so miserable like so miserable as Mm. I was writing this the chapter I I remembered like all the Sundays that were just so painful and I was like I'm doing this again I can't believe I'm doing this again Mm. a little part of me was like if it hasn't worked before why is it going to work now but I couldn't I, I needed I needed hope because I was like, I can't stay like this. I need I need the hope. So I I shoved that part away and just kept going. But it's it's so detrimental to your life, like not only mentally, because it zaps you, it drains you of of energy and it can impact your social life you know like I can't oh, I, I'd love to go to that restaurant but I'm on this like low carb diet whatever yeah. It's it, it can zap your social and, and it can impact your career and your working life and your, and your intellectual functioning and physically it's not good either like the shit that we do to our bodies is really really it's just not good they're not supposed to live like that they're supposed to be consistently nourished and kept alive like not to be messed with mm. every week trying this diet and then that diet and it's just it's really horrible to be fighting your reality which is what so many of us do when we're not liking how we look and we're dieting or we're being good or whatever Mm -hmm. we're fighting our reality and it's painful and it hurts and it's probably more painful than a lot of people realize listening probably actually realize until they were sort of thinking about it and really honest with it and looked at like what will my life look like if I was if I had the body that I was super happy with Mm. like what would my life look like and actually like god it would be a huge relief for so so many people mm. and people think that in order to in order for that to happen they have to get the body of their dreams or their goal body and it's just not true as we know it is not true like it is a mind problem it's not a body problem mm. like I thought there was no way on earth that I could accept my body when I was I'm not going to say a specific weight, but, like, however many stone thinner. I was like, no, I still need to lose a stone or whatever. And now I'm that many stone heavier and I'm happy with my body. So that tells me that it's not... It, it isn't to do with my body. It was to do with my mind and I've changed my mindset. But then I also realised that... I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. But, like, I also realised that it's easier said than done and it's easy for me to sit here now and say, like, just be happy with your body as it is because that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do, especially when it's so ingrained in us that fat phobia and and diet culture it's it's so yeah it's it are so conditioned that you just can't do that overnight and I think sorry I will shut up in a second but like I think for me that was part of the motivation for writing the book as well is that there is a lot of like self-love and body love and body confidence stuff out there on Instagram which is how I what I started doing which is like here's my body which is not marginalized by any means but it's not uh, the 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 narrow you know standard of beauty that society dictates and here it is and I'm owning it and I'm owning my cellulite, and my stretch marks and that stuff I think is so important and so necessary for people who don't feel represented and haven't historically felt represented but i think what i realized is that that is treating a symptom rather than the actual problem which is diet culture and fat phobia and the patriarchy which is at the root of all this stuff so Mm. like we need to drill down to the you know it's it's okay to to say like i love my body you love yours but like i think for me like when i really really started to recover or really started to heal my body image was like this is why I feel this way this is why I want to shrink my body this is why I don't like my body it's not innate in me no, I wasn't born thinking I'm too fat I want to get thinner it feels innate because our mums have been on
0: diets forever our teachers right. will have been telling us whatever that, and now even you know with calories on menus and whatever like all over the world the, or all over the world all over this country all over the western mm-hmm. world Right. And people would be forgiven for thinking that it is innate. Totally. But you can unlearn it, right? 100%. And do you believe you have unlearned everything? Or do you think it's a consistent game of hang on, I'm catching this thought, why do I think this thought owes is the bullshit thought, this is because of the picture? 100%. And yeah, and that's
1: easy for you to do now, right? It just. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's about, like, how long it takes me now. It's like, we're used to those thoughts would, like, send me spiralling and crashing and I'd be, you know, at home in bed. Like, I can't leave the house. I feel disgusting. And now I'm like, oh, I can catch that thought. And, but at the end of the day, like, I do think we have to be realistic as well and acknowledge that we can, you know, we've talked about this before, like, we can... We can do this stuff day in, day out, and we can practice self-love and self-acceptance until we're, you know, until the cows come home. But at the end of the day, we live in a world where those values aren't necessarily reflected back at us. Mm. So we have to consistently rebel against that and fight against that. So it's always going to be a struggle. And I don't think it's realistic for anyone to be like, "Oh, I'm sick of hating my body. I'm going to love my body," and that's that. It's it's just not realistic. And uh, but and I think that's okay.
0: I also think it's a very exciting thing. I think, like, this is the. I can't ever say things concisely, but if I was saying like, to review your book, I think, like, or to recommend your book, and I think that the, the way that I would sell your book to a person, which is useful because that's what we're doing in this episode, would be to say <laughs> that it is such an exciting prospect for people because the way you're talking about disordered eating and the, the person that you describe as the one that does the diet and whatever, that was me, like, 100%. It was. I was so immersed in this. And I used to lie in bed and, like, hurt myself having my tummy rolls, like, trying yeah. to be better. And like, and I'm thinking when I wake up tomorrow, I'm I'm going to have a flat stomach and everything's going to be better. And actually, I realised that during this time, I got a very flat stomach and I didn't even notice it because I was still... Put- and now I look back yeah. at photos, I'm like, I'm so there, but I was still... You know, like, yeah. I've basically... I've been exactly where somebody who needs this book has been and I guess maybe like I've just seen it in real time by following you and being your friend and being part of this space online and seeing it but like when I think back to where I was now versus the freedom that I have it's properly exciting like I just come back from that holiday where I sat in a bikini and I ate and I had my tummy rolls out and so and I didn't give a fuck because it wasn't worth it like on balance okay fine it wasn't societally perfect but on balance it wasn't worth ruining my holiday for right and that's a choice that I get to make now and I didn't get to make that choice before and like that's exciting and that's what I think this book is going to offer so many people is the chance to learn enough that they get to make these choices in their own lives yeah and I'm so proud of you and I think it's so exciting and I just I'm really like I don't know. I'm 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 am so optimistic for the future of all the readers of this book because I just think that you're, you're going to change so. their lives.
1: I hope so. I really do hope so. Yeah. I mean, I have like keep saying I've thrown the kitchen sink at Like I've thrown at it like everything that has ever helped me and that I think could help someone else. And you can tell that I'm extremely passionate about all this stuff. And I just yeah, I I really hope it helps. And like because I just I just think it's a it's about time. That women, all of us, and I know, I know there is men as well, but there's just far greater pressure in this sense on women. I think it's time that we like just break free of this stuff because whether it's just a, you know whether you're dieting, disordered eating, eating disorder, all of it is all um, a mental prison. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of them are more secure and like <laughs> tighter than, than others. But at the end of the day, it's all a mental so prison. It's and like we community just... service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, at the end of the day, it's it's not nice. It's not pleasant for any of us. And we just don't need it. Like, really, there is there is no actual real reason behind it. The reasons are all arbitrary. And I just want people to, like, want to help people see that. Final
0: thought, please, for mm. a person that's picking up your book in their metaphorical bookstore online. They're hovering over it. Can you give them, sell it to the
1: mouth? Yes. So what I'll say is, like, don't pick it up and be like... <gasps> this is it, I'm gonna read it all and I'm gonna put everything into practice and then like that's it, I'm cured. Which is exactly what I would do (laughs) (laughs) because I have no chill and no control. But it's gonna take some time and like just just take your time with it all because there's a lot in there and there's a lot of different facets and it's, a lot of it is, is like quite complex so give yourself time and compassion and like go easy with it like even if you only read like a chapter a week and like have a real think about it and like let it sink in and and maybe you know read it twice I don't know but but just be like very gentle with yourself this is this is this stuff is hard and this journey is hard I said I was reclaiming the word journey didn't I and I keep air quoting uh, air quoting it journey this journey is really difficult so yeah give yourself like space and compassion and go easy with it and good luck I just really hope that it helps because you deserve a better life than what diet culture gives us